Turn us on, and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt will join us to answer your family law questions. So please uh, send them in if you've got a question about divorce, separation, custody, uh, anything of that nature, then she will be very happy to uh, to answer your questions. So best to get them in as early as possible at 514-800. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. Time to answer your sex and relationship questions, which you can also send me by email to laurie at drlaurie.com. This one from um, one of our ladies uh, in Australia, listener actually. Uh, Lori, you managed to touch hearts halfway around the world with the message from the little man who learned to stand tall because of a special lady. Our group has a young lady who is very short and her height has caused her personal problems. We are like a support group for each other now. Yesterday's poem made one of our group cry. We learned that her home life has been has broken down, kids out of control, her husband not getting involved anymore. We suggested her having a family meeting, but I found out this morning that they laughed at her idea of a family meeting. Do you have any suggestions? Uh, I think the family meeting is maybe even with a therapist. Like I, I would recommend ca- like a counseling session, a family counseling session to be able to uh, talk and be heard and do this in a in a safe place. So I don't think that's a bad idea at all or a laughable one. I mean, anybody wants, I would hope, uh, some peace, and this is a good way to to get to that to, to that place, right? Another email. Uh, we enjoyed last night's show a great deal. My daughter commented at me that lots of teens listen to your show. That comment coming after you read a message from an 18-year-old. So I, I think we have some like young adult listeners for sure. Uh, this pandemic is causing problems at home, but we are doing our best giving each other some leeway and space. Halloween is Saturday and last year on our street, it was full of young ghosts and goblins, but I do not think it will be this year. We normally put up our outdoor Christmas lights up late November, but we decided to put them out this Sunday, just the lights for now to brighten things up and put a little cheer out there. I think that's a great idea. Let's, uh, Let's get everybody to put out their Christmas lights already. Uh, Another tradition we do is start watching Christmas movies, starting with the older classics like It's a Wonderful Life, A Christmas Carol, and The Original Miracle on 34th Street, and move up to Christmas Vacation and more recent movies. We are hoping maybe people can make suggestions of other holiday movies that may have got lost in the shuffle. Something old can still be something new. I know this is off topic, but with more staying at home, it is good therapy to enjoy a movie together as a family. We hope Christmas does not turn out to be an Xmas. <laughs> uh, good one. Hey, we can uh, certainly put in our two cents for uh, some holiday movies that some of our, our favorites. I think many of us, is that's exactly what we'll be doing, watching movies and uh as a family as couples as individuals singles sure another question how much masturbation would be considered chronic and when would this be considered unhealthy so i'm not sure when you like what you mean by chronic i would say the word is compulsive 
rather than chronic. Chronic just means over a long period of, of time, and some people masturbate their entire lives. The question is, how is masturbation being uh, practiced, right? So if it's done in a compulsive nature where that's you spend most of your time thinking about planning the next time, the next time, then we could say, okay, there may be an issue here, especially if it's interfering uh, with your life. So if masturbation is interfering with your everyday life, like going to work, going to school, uh, interfering with your relationship, meaning that you, you masturbate over, um, having sex with your partner so that you neglect, you end up neglecting your partner. Is it done with compulsive use of pornography? Is it done with other, other forms, right? Some, some men like to go on, um, even like dating sites, for example, even married people or where they're having like cyber relationships, but that's also clearly uh, a problem. So when it interferes like that, then it is definitely unhealthy. But then some people think, oh, you masturbate every day. That must be, you know, that's unhealthy, but no, it, it isn't. If it doesn't cause distress and if it, if it's not done compulsively, then there are plenty of people who find this a nice way to start the day or end the day. Uh, for some people, this is relaxation. The only danger here is some people use masturbation when they are bored and stressed. And, and so instead of like confronting the stress or finding sometimes other ways of dealing with stress, especially if stress is becoming more and more like increasing, then the masturbation increases and then it becomes a kind of an unhealthy way to resolve uh, the stress or the anxiety. So you want to get to also the, the root cause if there is a, 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 a couple of, um, movie ideas, a Christmas gift with John Denver available on YouTube, uh, silent night with Linda Hamilton from Terminator also on YouTube, apparently filmed in, uh, St. Lazar and a true story. I don't think I've ever seen that one. So there are some ideas for, uh, for movies. Okay. Let's see. My husband and I recently started engaging in anal sex. We both enjoy it, but don't know much about it. What are the dangers? So there is a difference between anal sex and vaginal penile sex in that the vaginal muscle is much more flexible or much more elastic than your, the rectal tissues. In fact, it's, those are, it's not so much a muscle in there as a, as a, as tissues that could be easily, uh, cut little fissures that can be, uh, that can be had there. The other thing that you have to be careful is that you should never ever go from anal sex to vaginal sex because you never want to introduce any bacteria into the vagina. And of course there's far more bacteria in, uh, in the rectum, the anus than there, than there is anywhere else. So you don't want to transfer that. So that, that is the, uh, the biggest danger. Obviously if something hurts, stop. 
Um, but you're, if you both enjoy it and, and it's, it's working out fine and you're doing it with lube and, and, uh, fully and slowly, then it's, it's okay. Listen, about 40% of the population has engaged in anal sex at least once. So it's, uh, even though it's something that is taboo to speak out loud, <laughs> um, but yes, it, uh, it is something that many couples have tried even straight couples. I still get the question about, well, doesn't that mean I'm gay that I like anal stimulation? Uh, the answer to that is absolutely. Coming up, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt will join us. So if you have any questions about family law, something going on in your life that you want to discuss, tonight would be the time. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Is uh, Passion and the Law tonight with Maître Linda Hammerschmidt, who joins us every month to answer your legal questions, your family law questions. So if you have a question, you can text it to us at 514-800, or you can call it in at 514-790-0800. First of all, hello, Linda. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, Lori, and yourself? Uh, good. All healthy? All Good. Good. Okay, wonderful. Uh, all right, let's start off with this question. How to handle an inheritance battle to exclude one? So I don't know if this is up your alley, but nonetheless, I don't know exactly what they mean, but I imagine... To exclude what? Uh, to exclude one person. I guess there's a, some kind of inheritance battle and maybe the siblings are trying to exclude one person is what I'm getting. Well, I'm not quite sure what the question is, though. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Let Let me just ask them then to specify. Give us clarify. This, clarify. That's right. Give us a Give us a few more specifics because it's very hard to answer that in a very general, uh, general kind of way. All right. What well, can be interesting about inheritance in a family law context mm-hmm. uh, of people divorcing is whether or not property that falls into family patrimony assets was inherited by one party or the other. And if so, one is a question of proof. And then if the court uh, grants that kind of a proof, uh, should the amount of money that was inherited be deducted mm. uh, from the asset that it was uh, that it was poured into, shall we say? Right. So like from the sale of the house or whatever it was. Yeah, or even if the house isn't being sold, if part of it was purchased uh, with uh, inheritance from one of the uh, parties, or if an inherited amount of money was used to renovate the house after uh, the marriage, uh, these kind of uh, expenditures can come into play by being deducted before uh, the asset uh, is partitioned between the parties. Got, Got it. Okay, I have a situation for you, and I, and I think there's a lot of people who have this question. So let's say you know this the marriage is over, so the wife wants the husband to leave the house. The husband is being told, don't leave the house uh, by the lawyer. Um, like, how do you, how does, the, the, how does that whole process begin? Because let's say the husband leaves the house, does that imply anything, or if the wife leaves the house, what are the implications of that? 
Well, the implication is that the party has decided to not stay in the House anymore, meaning they've moved somewhere else. And assuming that it wasn't uh, some sort of a short-term trial uh, separation, Mm -hmm. uh, then it's a question of who's going to pay for the expenses of the House pending the resolution of the divorce. And that can take time and it can be onerous. So, you know, that that's the kind of uh, worry that attorneys will have, uh, depending on who they're representing, as mm-hmm. to, you know, you know whether, whether a person leaves or not uh, shows that, you know, if there's children involved, then you sort of are, you know, it could be interpreted that you're forfeiting, uh, you know, your oversight over the children, but I mean, one way or another, usually in a divorce, one one party's going to have to leave, and if it's not by a voluntary means, then the only option is to get and seek a court order uh, for the exclusion of one party and the permission of the use of the house to the other. Hmm. But in the case of, uh, let's say, somebody who's been a stay-at-home mom her whole life, uh, and the kids are older and, and what have you, and the the husband leaves leaves the house, but there's a house now, and there's bills to pay, and there's all of this stuff, does it just, can like, can the, the husband just stop, like, saying, too bad, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here, I'm not, I'm not paying for anything, or... Well, of course, somebody can say that, but doesn't mean that that's what's going to end up happening, the, the uh... But in the meantime, like, until it gets to a court process, it could be, it could take a long time. Well, it can take a month or so, yes, or depends on how long they waited between uh, the person having left the house and taking procedures. Mm-hmm. But all the more reason, as I always say, you have to plan for these things, sad but true, in advance. You can't wait till uh, everything is bad to have a nest egg behind you in the event that mm. uh, you have sort of a bridge uh, loan type uh, scenario. Right that you have to be able to cope with these things. But, you know, no house that has a mortgage in any event is going to be sold out from under uh, from one day to the next because the mortgage creditor has uh, the law and obligations to meet by notifying uh, the debtors uh, to rectify any default on payment of the mortgage, and that's at least 60 days. And then after the 60 days, they take a proceeding by the bank and, the, and that takes time. So you know, nobody's going to ever be evicted, okay. uh, you know, inside of the same time period that one could get to a family court and mm-hmm. ask for the other party to pay all or part of the mortgage. Okay. And what about uh, when it comes to alimony payments? Is there any standard? In other words, like if you've been married this long or if you've been a stay-at-home mom for this long, because I'm thinking of women who have dedicated their their lives where the agreement was made with the, the husband that she would be a stay-at-home mom and it would be fine for her not you to get work. it in writing. Get what in writing? That agreement, because, you know, 20 years down the road, uh, one comes and says, well, my husband said that, uh, you know, I could stay at home and I didn't have to work. And the husband says, no, she had to go to work and she refused to go to work. You know, if you have an agreement that that's what's happening, well, put it down on a piece of paper and sign it to both of you. And, and that was why people feel that it's okay to just 
go along the merry road uh, without any uh, responsibility for the decisions they make without being able to prove it. Now, people are going to say they're married, they're not supposed to be in that kind of a turmoil, and they shouldn't have to do those things. Well, shouldn't, and, you know... And look what happens, yeah. Yeah, and a court of law are two different things. So if you want to protect yourself, like with anything, get it in writing. So that would, if that was in writing, that would weigh quite a bit uh, in the courts, I guess, right? In- well, it certainly wouldn't hurt. And it, by the same token, if uh, the husband is tired of spending money uh, and all the other one does is go out and spend the money and there's only one income coming in uh, and he said, go to work, you have to go to work, you have to help me, I, I can't do it all, and you let that go on for 10 years, well then uh, you're the idiot that allowed it to go on for 10 years. Don't complain now when mm. the person is 55 and not able to get back into a job market, and you're going to expect, well, I don't have to pay her anything because, uh, you know. Uh... Or she can go out and work at Starbucks. Yeah, exactly, right. McDonald's. <laughs> right. And nowadays, not even. Yeah, quite true. Uh, okay, that, that uh, says a lot. Um, does the person paying alimony from a texter get to stop if the other person gets married? Only if you have a court order, because if there's a judgment that says you have to pay alimony, uh, the only way to not pay alimony is to either sign a consent between the parties agreeing to that scenario or getting a court to adjudicate on it. And just because you're getting married is not a 100% guarantee that you're going to be able to stop paying alimony. For example, somebody could remarry somebody who... It's unemployed. Right. <laughs> so, right. you know, uh, while obviously that's not a great decision as, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, <laughs> you know, love is blind, they uh, say. Sometimes, yeah. And, and, and if the, the, there was a long-term marriage the first time around and there was a financial obligation because for whatever reason there were kids, she stayed home, like your scenario from before, mm-hmm. uh, then uh, it's not a given that uh, the person's going to be self-sufficient uh, just because they got remarried to somebody mm. who's not earning any money. <laughs> mm, makes sense. Uh, so and somebody says, same question with regards to child support. Well, child support is another Separate. kettle of fish because mm-hmm. both parents are, are have an, a legal obligation more so than between spouses to take care of their children because the children aren't able to take care of themselves, and it stands to reason that that should be the case. And uh, child support also has, if there's an order uh, by the court that says X has to pay to Y for uh, A, B, and C, a certain amount of money, you can't just stop paying because the child reached 18, because otherwise the preceptor is going to come and seize whatever your assets or salary that you may have until a judgment comes after and says, well, no, you don't have to pay, or you don't have to pay so much, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And if the children are still going to university and, and uh, not able to meet their own expenses, they're, they're not, you know, uh, full-time uh, uh, workers while going to school, uh, you're still and, on the hook. And it does it matter if, let's say, the one parent is remarried to somebody who's wealthy, say? 
oh, that's not the parent, that's not the, the, the other parent of the child. Right. They don't have an obligation to, those to pay kids. for that child. So even if the other person is super rich, and I know that it uh, bothers a lot of uh, of uh, the people that have to pay support. Well, she got married to, and he can afford, you know, whatever. And so mm-hmm. that's lovely, but you're the one that made the child, and so <laughs> suck it up and pay your share. Gotcha. I really hate that people think that somebody else should pay for your uh, own for kids. their obligations just yeah. because they have more money. Yeah. You don't want to have that obligation. Don't put the uh, the dipstick in the hole. <laughs> okay, we got gotcha. you. Uh, more with Metro Linda Hammershaw. If you have questions, send them along at 514-800-PLUS. You'll get your stupid sex story of the day. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Before we continue with Metro Linda Hammerschmidt, this stupid sex story you'll appreciate because it has to do with the law, actually, and family law uh, in India, I believe. And the headline was, Woman hid heart disease from fiancé and the court mm-hmm. annuls the marriage after 16 Years, uh, the High Court declared the marriage between a man 51 and woman 43 null and void after it found that the woman married him without disclosing about her heart disease. The court issued the order on a petition filed by the woman challenging the order of the family court in, I can't even pronounce the name in India, and directed her to pay some damages. The bench observed that the consent of the husband for marriage was obtained without revealing the cardiac ailments the wife had, and they say this is undoubtedly a foul play and nothing short of fraud. The parents of the man invited alliance for him in 2004 and a broker brought the woman's details to him so an arranged marriage i guess uh the wedding was uh held uh in 2004 Uh, the woman started living with the husband at his residence the man alleged that from the initial days of their marital life his wife started behaving strangely she was always on medication and the consequence was reflected in her conduct a year later the husband took the woman to a gynecologist and during the course of consultation she informed the doctor that she is suffering from some heart disease the doctor referred her to the cardiologist and he came to know that she was suffering from acute rheumatic heart disease it would also reveal that she had underwent some kind of um, operation in 1998 he also came to know that his wife is incapable to have sexual intercourse and to conceive at that consultation i'm wondering holy crap 16 years later i that's the part i i i don't get but that's about annulment and uh, what do you make of that uh metro linda i guess better late than never <laughs> but, yeah. but what my, my first take on this is if it was an arranged marriage both both of the uh, both spouses should sue their parents the parents yes or the broker or whoever brokered that uh the oh, marriage everybody. throw everybody in it <laughs> yeah and it's the woman who's paying for it anyway uh okay couple questions for you my question for the hammer is would she as a woman be more likely to get a favorable decision from a female judge no okay 
You've te- you've tested you've tested that you out mean clearly for myself personally or, or no no for for your clients obviously oh yeah no okay you know on any given day and I've said this many times before on any given day in front of any given uh, judge one has no idea what's in their head and what's going to happen no matter what your how strong your case may be you could lose and how weak it could be and you could win so. Right. That's all the more reason people should try to settle. Yes, please, people, try to settle. I oftentimes I hear people say, "Oh, I have an open and shut case," or <laughs> "It's I have an you know it, yeah, it's, it's open like and shut. it's Call very strong, right?" Or or I have a very strong case with lots and lots of proof. And I often um, utter the same words that you do, and I echo you by saying, "Look, <laughs> I know our lawyer says." Uh, you never know. You never know. Even if you think you have the best case, it may not go in your favor. So, um, it's because settle. you think it's the best case. And, and what is, what makes up the best case? I mean, what does one person think a best case is? Right. Well. Because, for example, the myth is, well, he or she cheated on me. So, you know, the court's going to sympathize with me and I'll get my, we have no fault divorce in Canada, so exactly. it doesn't matter uh, who cheated on who. We don't need pictures anymore. Don't need uh, private eye uh, investigations for that. It's irrelevant. Right, exactly. The only time that is relevant, I found out, was for a religious um, religious divorce. So you can get, like, for example, if uh, if you're a Jehovah's Witness and you get married, you're married for life, even if you divorce civilly. You can't remarry, and the only way you can get out of it is if a spouse has um, an affair or or has sex with someone else, and and then you would kind of need proof for that and blah blah. So <laughs> it's uh, not so not so easy. Well, well, that's a religious divorce. Yeah, that's religious. That. Yeah, exactly. You can still be divorced. Exactly, in the in the <laughs> eyes of the law, anyway. Uh, okay, question here. If the divorced spouse is responsible for either alimony or child support and has remarried but defaults in their payments, can the new spouse's income be considered or even seized to make up back payments? Can't be seized, no, because, again, they have no obligation to pay for your child's support. Or alimony. Or alimony, even okay. more so. Uh, and the only thing that can sometimes occur is that one can ask the court to impute income uh, to the other parent who is married to this richer person. And uh, because the that person, uh, who knows, may have them on the company books, may uh, give them a salary, may mm-hmm. give them an al- whatever, and maybe through that, one can seize, but other than that, no, it's not their responsibility to pay for your children. Even if that divorced spouse, let's say, I'm thinking of the scenario where they marry somebody who's wealthy and they, you know, they stop working, for example. Mm-hmm. So, and then they, they claim, well, I'm not making any salary, so I can't pay you anymore. Yeah, well, it's possible that they still have assets just because they stop working and they don't have a salary. But maybe all the assets are the are in the with the new spouse. Well, then it's a question of proof of trying to impute an income to the other side. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Burden of proof is uh, it sounds like a very costly matter too. Okay. Yeah, but if you can have that kind of a schmuck in the first place, mm. 
stops work so that they can get out of paying child support by doing this, I come back to the, how come you didn't know this about the person before you went to bed with them? Yeah, but it's a little too late after that. You know, it's like yeah, I should have, could have. the point is that it is not too late for people who are getting into a relationship and they don't bother to take the time to kick the tires. <laughs> well, coming up then, uh, after we answer this other question, I do want to revisit your favorite topic. Oh, dear. Yeah, which is that of... Dogs. Per- no, well, I know dogs. <laughs> Besides, I'm talking about your favorite legal topic. Uh, and I'll, I'll let you get on your soapbox because I know it, it's important and you want to get the, the word out of how important it is to have these uh, pre-marriage agreements. But coming up, I want to talk really about what goes in there. But first here, if you're getting divorced and you think the other person is hiding money, how do you find out? Well, you have to uh, show one way to do it is through lifestyle. I mean, if the person says that they're earning, I don't know, $50,000 a year and they're paying for $200,000 worth of lifestyle expenses during a year, Something's not adding up right, and the mm-hmm. court will therefore impute perhaps not 200, but will impute more than the 50. And then uh, you, your, your award or uh, support, alimony, lump sum, or whatever it is, uh, will be based on, on that amount. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to show it through. Well, you always have to make proof. I mean, you right. can't just say, uh, you know, I think that it's this doesn't fly. Right. You have to prove it. So either through bank transfers of money out or, as again, the best way, just like the revenue departments do, is to show lifestyle. Hmm. You know, you're paying uh, to send your kids to, uh, for example, LCC at 20 grand a pop and you go on a $10,000 vacation and you you have three cars and so on and so forth and you have $30,000 income. You don't have to be... Uh, Einstein to figure out uh, if somebody's <laughs> lying about something. That's quite true. All right, coming up, uh, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt will tell you what should be included in a pre-marriage or prenuptial um, agreement. Passion with Dr. Lori Batido on CJAD 800. Metro Linda Hammerschmidt joins us tonight. If you have questions about family law, she's here to answer 514-800. Before we get to our prenup question, here's one. Can the Quebec government make fathers still pay for child support even though the kids are over 18 and one has been out of the house since 2017? Linda? Yes. Oh, I thought you were telling people what we were going to talk about. (laughs) No, no. I'm asking you this question before we get to that one. Did you you get it? So I'm not quite sure why I say, can the Quebec government make people do this? It's not the Quebec government. It's it's the law. It's either the civil code and and or the divorce act. And um, and children are children of the marriage when the people have been married, obviously until they're at least 16 in full-time attendance at school and unable to financially take care of their own needs. That's all of their own needs. Mm -hmm. So uh, unless all of those criteria are not in play, uh, then a parent who is paying child support can petition a court to either reduce or cancel the support. 
if uh, the child has been out of the house since 2017, but is in full-time attendance at school, does not relieve either parent of uh, supporting that child Mm -hmm. uh, for the school, so long as they're not taking one course a term, uh, you know, and as I like to say, basket weaving 101 has to be something serious. Right. If they've gone to to work full-time and they're living out of the house in their own apartment or uh, sharing a house with friends or whatever, uh, then uh, the parent who has to pay has a good chance of supplying a uh, uh, petitioning the court to cancel the support. Support that is canceled, uh, and then the kid two years down the road wants to go, I don't know, decides uh, I made a mistake with my life and I really should get an education and go back to university or whatever, they can uh, petition the court to have uh, child support paid to them uh, by both parents. uh, And uh, the court then is a different set of rules to take into consideration, the court's more strict with an adult like that who, who took a sabbatical, shall we say, and came back after the fact. Uh, but uh, still, uh, parents mm-hmm. can still be called upon to, to pay to support pay. in that case. Okay, good. Uh, here's an, an, I'm getting a couple of questions here, but uh, I love your show and never miss Metra Linda. My question, yeah, my question is regarding my son. He was included with the rest of the grandchildren in the grandmother's will. My relationship with the father didn't work out. My son was not notified of her death and his inclusion in the will until many years later from the father's new girlfriend. Does he have any recourse? Well, yeah. I don't see how, first of all, if this was a a notarial will. I guess, yeah. Mm -hmm. In order to settle the estate, somebody had to be reading that will, so... You have a lawsuit, perhaps, against the executor the, mm. uh, of the estate, not to mention uh, a, re- a claim on whatever that portion was. Okay. I, I didn't quite catch the beginning of the thing. Is it that the, the, the mother had not a good relationship with the father? And, right. So the and son. And the father didn't tell yes. that his own child was in his will? In the will of, his, of the grandmother, so his mother. The, the mother, mother of the father, the yeah. The father didn't bother to tell the son. Charming. Yeah. <laughs> you could say that for a lot of cases, right? Charming. Oh, never never ceases to amaze me how crummy people are. I know. I know. Sadly. I know. But, um, yeah. I guess it's a good thing to say that I'm still surprised by it, you know? It's like I'm not completely well, jaded, but... exactly. But I, you see the worst of the worst. That's the oh, thing. Yeah. It's like... But, but, uh, but still, I mean, to the lengths that some people go to, do, to, to pull crap on each other... It's crazy. Yeah. And then they complain if they have to pay legal fees to... You know, deal yeah. with it. And, and especially because you're one of those lawyers that encourages people, don't go and settle this. Don't make yes. me go to court because it's well, going to cost you. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is not exactly the same kind of a thing, but we a client of ours got a, a subpoena. Well, I actually found out that the subpoena had been sent to one of his banks for information to be brought to court this week, as it turned out. And, and, and uh, he sends me a copy of this, and I'm going, what, what is this date? Because, you know, we have, when we have proceedings, there's always usually a date that gets postponed to another date mm-hmm. and go on down the road until finally 
things get worked out, there's a trial or a settlement or whatever. So our date for this file happens to be in the middle of November. Mm -hmm. So what is going on this week that, that something can be put into a courtroom? So as far as I can tell, and I still don't have a satisfactory answer from the other side, that the other side just decided to send a subpoena with God knows what date that has nothing to do with our file into a courtroom, expecting the bank to show up. And the bank, of course, would have done that, except that I There's got involved. Right. And like, you better tell me today or nobody's going to be in court with anything <laughs> for you people until you explain to me why it is that you picked this date. <laughs> so, oh, the stuff the you, information. Right. Yeah. The stuff you deal with. Just a, but, but, to, but this is just a waste of time and money. Right. Exactly. Exactly. People don't realize it, that, that they're paying Anyway, so just to, for this, uh, the, the last question with the son, the, mm -hmm. apparently the father denied the fact that he was the father and he was at his birth. So obviously there's whatever. <laughs> it, it just gets creepier. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is there a place where you can make a legal will without having to pay a notary person wants to know? A legal will can be handwritten. So of course you don't have to pay yourself to write your own will. So you could there, write there your own will. There are three kinds of wills, and only one of them is with a notary and or a lawyer. And the other two can be done by the person themselves, either typed up and witnessed by two people in the signature or completely handwritten uh, by the uh, mm -hmm. the person who was going to end up being the deceased. <laughs> right, right. Uh, okay, that's a good answer. Okay, but, so... But those last two require to be probated in court as opposed to the notarial will, which is why you've always also heard me say you only get a notarial will in this province anyway. Right, so they, it's less fight, I guess. Uh, right, okay. Uh, and that completely handwritten will does not have to be witnessed, but it has to be completely handwritten. You can't type it up on your right. computer, print it out, and sign your name. That doesn't work. The other version, you can do that, but that requires having two witnesses. Okay, gotcha. Uh, all right, let's uh, spend the next just couple of minutes in terms of you talk about this all the time, um, putting things in writing before you get married, but it seems to me there are so many, I don't know, possible things that could happen down the road that most of us aren't really thinking like that. So is there, is there some document or something that can give us guidance as to like, almost like a form that you fill out, you know, like, okay, what did you decide about the kids and what did you decide about religion and what, like that kind of thing, What what should go in there? Well, Anything that you think can cause a problem down the road. Oy. Obviously, the main <laughs> the main issues are, as you said, the children, and uh, and and that opens up the door to education. Uh, who's going to pay for what? Uh, uh, how are they going? Uh, what kind of religion will they be raised in, etc. And uh, then, obviously, what to do with the house. If I inherit, you inherit money. You can discuss this. You don't have to. But the more you discuss, even if you don't ultimately end up putting it in this contract, at least you will discuss it, mm. which is a step up from 99% of most people who get married. 
And and I know like I've seen this happen where uh, you have a couple that gets married, they're of different faiths, and then they seem to think, okay, well, yeah, we'll worry about it when the time comes, like when the kids (laughs) come or whatever, like what we celebrate or, or religion doesn't really matter to me, but then the kids come and suddenly religion does matter to them. Or their parents that uh, right. Exert so much pressure on them that all of a sudden it's, what do you mean they're not going to be raised this way, that way, that school, this whatever. Right. Exactly. So figure out if you somebody puts in more money to buy the house than the other, how that uh, should be decided down the road if you were ultimately to split up. Uh, if... Uh, you were to get divorced after five years, ten years, you can put in amounts of money as to uh, like a predetermined at least a minimum lump sum if somebody stayed home with the kids mm. and they've been married for ten years and they're off the job market. Who oh, gets who gets the dog? Who gets the cat? <laughs> assuming, assuming you like you know, animals. Well, yeah. no, but you've brought this up. We've, we've yes, seen cases, right, where where people have fought. I, I know somebody who spent thousands and thousands of dollars in court to get custody of a dog. Usually, however, though, I doubt that in a marriage contract you're going to find a lot of, if any, provisions for, for animals. get a, a pet <laughs> if in the event that you get divorced. More issues to deal with monetary uh, criteria of the dissolution of a marriage or the breakdown of of a relationship. Right, right, right. Linda, it is always, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Really appreciate you. Uh, If anybody wants to get in touch with you for some legal uh, advice uh, on the clock, what what is uh, the number they could reach you at? Uh, 514-846. 1013, but don't call until next week. We're moving all day Friday <laughs> to the offices upstairs in one West Mount Square, and, and we don't have any time to answer the phones on Friday. <laughs> all right, so please, no emergencies until next week. Good luck no, with no, good luck no. with your move, Linda. No, I appreciate it. All right, you, you, you take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you all for your questions. Thank you for listening. Uh, Thank you to our technical producer, Chris Aikens. You can connect with me, uh, of course, uh, through my website, drlaurie.com, on social media. I'm all over there as well. Uh, You can listen to our podcasts either on the website or on the iHeart app. All you have to do is go to the CJAD page on the iHeart app, or you can go to the show page at CJAD.com. Dot com as well. Coming up next year on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. <laughs>